Good morning to each and every one of you. It's good to be together today. We, uh, we talk about discipleship uh, this morning and uh, for the ensuing weeks. We, uh, we talk about that against the backdrop of being unhurried. Uh, it's easier to talk about being unhurried than it is actually living it out. But being unhurried gives us the opportunity to uh, really put first things first for us to be well-focused and well-centered in the things that we, uh, we have going on in our, our lives. I've got to tell you that I'm very much excited about uh, this series, talking about discipleship. We don't want to just talk about discipleship, but we want to make that very much a part of our, our lives individually, uh, certainly uh, very centered to who we are as a church and, and what we're doing. So I'm excited about that. You need to know that uh, discipleship is very near and dear to my heart. There has been uh, this sort of uh, progression. Uh, the Lord has, has led me over the past decade or so to, to really focus in on this, this matter that I consider to be of, of first order, that of, of making disciples. Living life in an unhurried fashion uh, helps us, as I said just a second ago, to, to keep our focus right. And when we, uh, when we slow down, when we, uh, when we find ourselves uh, regularly focusing upon those things that are center to our spiritual lives and to the discourse of ministry, uh, we, we can't help but uh, consider discipleship and can't help but make disciples. Our scripture for today is uh, from Colossians, the third chapter, verses 12 through 17. It's, a, it's a, a passage of scripture that is repeated in all sorts of contexts. I've, I've taught on that scripture a, a number of times in a number of different contexts, but you need to know that, that I'll often read it at, at weddings. It seems to, to really fit contextually uh, very, very well at weddings. So I'll say something like, and again, I'm talking about speaking at a wedding that uh, Colossians 3 verses 12 and following is wonderful scripture that helps instruct the, the early church and, and how they are to be in relationship with one another. <clears throat> and then I'll look directly at the couple that's standing before me and, and, and say something like, well, it's very apropos, uh, very much uh, uh, to, to what we're, we're doing here today for you to consider what it means to be in relationship with each other as a married couple. And we'll go on and talk about the, the, the details of that, of that passage. So whether it uh, pertains to the church or whether it pertains to marriage or any other relationship we have, we'll, we'll find that this, uh, this passage is, uh, is certainly transferable to, to every life, every relationship, and particularly those relationships that have to do with the development of disciples. So in uh, Colossians 3, verse 12 and following, Paul talks about putting on some important characteristics. Sometimes that's translated to, to clothe yourself in, uh, in, in these characteristics. They are uh, uh, important characteristics that should be reflected in every relationship. Things like compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with each other, forgiving one another, and of course, love. 
We, we would not want to leave out love, and neither does Paul. Love binds everything together in, in perfect harmony. These are the sort of things that we need to put on. These are the sort of things that we need to, to clothe ourselves with in, in order to rightly be in relationship with others. And I think uh, these, uh, these characteristics speak very directly uh, to uh, what it means to be uh, a disciple-maker. Uh, Paul encourages us to put these things on, to clothe ourselves, if you will, uh, to, to be able to, to move forward into the good work that, that Christ would, would have us to, to, to be a part of. And so let's hear from uh, Colossians, the, the third chapter, again, verses 12 through 17. Let's hear this from God's Word. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord has uh, forgiven you. And over all these things, all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and, and, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. This is God's Word. May it be a deep and abiding blessing to each of us, not only as we hear this word read, but as we make effort now to take our lives and apply them to this word. May God bless us all. Well, each of us have known it since the second grade. Zero times any number always equals zero. That's just a fact of multiplication. You take any number, you multiply it times zero, and it will equal zero. When it comes to discipleship, multiplying by zero always yields zero. When, when we consider discipleship, a lot of times we, we, we think that that just has to do with our own spiritual growth. And hence, we begin to multiply by zero, which always equals zero. If we are, are really serious about discipleship, and really have a, a, a good understanding of what, that, what discipleship means and how Jesus did discipleship, we know that, that discipleship is not an individual thing, but it always involves the lives of other people. Discipleship always takes on a consideration of others. It leads us beyond ourselves and invites others to come alongside us whether that be just one person or maybe a group of people. Discipleship means bringing others along. And in that, we begin to understand and experience multiplication. A great yield is um, taking place 
on behalf of God's kingdom. Disciples making disciples is true discipleship. Disciples making disciples is true discipleship. When it comes to discipleship, we're, we're called to do it just like Jesus did it. Jesus is, is quite famous for, for ministering to, to the multitudes. We, we know that to be the case. People gathered around Christ in a, in a big way. They, they wanted to hear what he had to say. They wanted to see what he would do in regard to signs and, and wonders. And hence the, the multitudes came. And Jesus had profound effect upon the multitudes. They, they were drawn to his revolutionary teachings and their hearts were stirred. But it was in small groups where Jesus was most effective. It was meeting one-on-one where, where Jesus really began to turn the heart, began to, to, to make his point. We all know that Jesus gathered around him 12, 12 disciples, and he, uh, he, he poured his life into the twelve. He even pulled Peter, James, and John aside and, and formed this inner circle. And we are privy through Scripture to, to know that he had those, those very important and significant conversations with, with the three, Peter, James, and John. Jesus and his disciples did life together. Now hear that. They did life together. They, they ate together. They, they traveled together. They, they, they served together. All the while, Jesus taught them. He taught them by precept, a lot of instruction, a lot of things that he taught, but Jesus also taught by example. It was the example of Jesus that, that really began to turn the tide with, with the disciples and with others with whom Jesus came in contact. You see, when it came to, to the disciples, Jesus was really grooming them for the leadership uh, place that they, they would have later when the church would, would begin to, to be established. Think of it. The disciples, armed with the good news about Jesus, ignited a, a movement that not only had impacted upon the that not only impacted the world um, in which they lived, but continues continues to impact the world in which we live. All because Jesus took time to pour Himself into the life of those disciples to invest in their lives so that they would be well prepared for the leadership post that they would command upon him rising from the dead and ascending to the Lord. Discipleship. Disciples making disciples who then turn and make disciples. All of this was possible because Jesus was intentional about forming disciples. And as we said, he poured his life into the twelve and did so in a profound way to the extent that the world has never been the same again. The way Jesus did discipleship gives us pause to consider who we are and what we're about. I, I think that um, that has everything to do with who we are and what we do as individuals. I think that it, that it has everything to do with who we are and what we do as a church. As things go around the church these days, there, a lot is built on, on teaching. Uh, a lot is built on, on programs and not so much on 
pure disciple-making. These days, there's a new uh, movement afoot where disciple-making, again, disciples making disciples who make disciples, is, is front and center. And it's beginning to, to take hold throughout the, the entirety of the church. And to some extent, it's very much taking hold here at, at, at St. John. The movement, you see, is, is causing a shift in culture where disciple-making is at the core of what the, the church is. In a sense, disciple-making becomes the very identity of the, of the church. It becomes the, the very reason the church exists. It was about eight years ago that I began uh, digging very, very deeply into this sort of thing. I, I, I remember uh, attending a, a training session that was offered by a group called 3DM. It's one of those discipleship groups that's really at the forefront of this, this movement, this shift in culture within the church. And I got to tell you, I, I sat there in those very first couple of minutes, and they, they had me at hello. For somebody who clearly is hardwired in regard to ministry of the church, all being centered around program, I began to change my, my focus in support of building a discipling culture. Not a culture of program, but a, but a, but a culture of, uh, of disciple-making. Mike Breen, who was then the, the head of 3DM, has this to say about that discipling culture. He says this, If you set out to build a church, there's no guarantee you will make disciples. It is far more likely you will create consumers who depend on the spiritual services that religious professionals provide. Hear that. If you set out to build a church, there's no guarantee you will make disciples. He goes on to say, if you make disciples, you always get the church. If you make disciples, you always get the church, but if you make a church, you rarely get disciples. In other words, if, if just church building is, is your focus, then you're, you're not always guaranteed of, of disciples being raised up. But if you make disciples, you always get the church. And then finally, effective discipleship builds the church, not the other way around. I hope we hear that as we consider a, a, a strong shift in culture. Effective discipleship builds the church not the other way around. Well, I've always found these words uh, challenging, and they, I heard them years ago, and I, I continue to be challenged by the very same words. So let's ask ourselves, what does a, a discipling culture look like? A discipling culture means having sufficient organization to move the church forward. You know, every organization, every institution has to have sufficient organization in order for that uh, church to, or organization, institution to, to move forward. But in the case of the church, it's important to, to, to value authentic community that reflects the fullness of God. It's that, 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 that uh, sort of community, that, that authentic community community that is, is built on the consideration of, of people growing in Christ. 
and not just growing in Christ, but then striking forth and helping others to do the very same thing. It's, it's that sort of thing that really builds the church. So organization is important, but it's the authentic relationships, the, the, the community that's well-focused upon discipleship that really builds the church. As we mentioned uh, earlier, a, a culture of discipleship has, has everything to do with, with what Jesus did. Jesus was all about teaching, and quite frankly, so are we. Teaching is our, our primary way of forming people in the faith. Much of what we call discipleship has to do with teaching, and there's nothing wrong with that. We just, we just need to refuse to stop with our teaching. Beyond simply teaching, Jesus gave his disciples plenty of opportunity to see them witness how he lived his life. Again, they did life together. Jesus was, was very much transparent before them when it came to such things. Jesus was an open book when it came to his life. He wanted those who were around him to see how he lived life. Jesus even uh, encouraged his disciples to, to give things a try, he sort of pushed them into the pool of ministry, if you will, to, to see how they, they would do, how they would swim, if you will. He, Jesus wanted his disciples to put things into practice. It was almost as if they were in an apprenticeship. The disciples, you see, were given every opportunity not just to learn from Jesus, but to follow his ways. After all, they were the first followers of Christ. They were Christ followers, and they were the very first ones. It comes to us then, in, in contemplating doing discipleship as Jesus did it, to, um, to, to live lives that are worth living, to where we're not just talking about things, not just teaching and, and, and offering information, but that we're actually living lives that are worth following. And it is in the, the following of that worthy life that, uh, that others begin to be changed and turned and are challenged to go closer to Christ. Jesus was all about his disciples coming alongside him. Jesus was all about coming alongside them and investing in, in their lives. He spent all kinds of time with them, all with an interest that they would one day be well prepared to carry on, to carry on. Our son uh, Brian has uh, been at Vanderbilt training to be a doctor for a long, long time. You know, we'll get into the length of his training on another time. That's another conversation. But he's been there a long time, believe me. Brian's been taught a lot. He, he, uh, he said in one class after another, after another, after another, as he was going through med school. Brian has also had the opportunity to come around some wonderful doctors who have showed him how it's done. They, they've shown him the ropes, if you will. Brian's also been afforded the opportunity to, to try things out, to put things into practice. You know, a doctor practices, you know. For a long time, that, that sort of thing was done under the watchful eye of those 
who were committed to investing in his training. Now Brian can practice on his own and at times offers the, the, the same sort of support to aspiring doctors that, that he had shared in some, some time previous. You know, we all know that that's the process of becoming a doctor and is not far from what takes place or ought to take place when it comes to discipleship. There's one portion of our scripture for today that, that speaks to this sort of rhythm of, uh, of being present, of investing in life, of, um, of, of offering an invitation and, and challenge. It's Colossians, the third chapter, verse 16. It, it reads like, the, like this, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Let's, um, let's focus in on what it means to teach and admonish. This, this passage encourages both teaching and, uh, and admonishment. What, what Paul calls for here is a right balance between invitation and challenge. Invitation and challenge. Let's unpack that just a bit. As I mentioned earlier, we have the teaching thing pretty much down. And that's a good thing. It's, um, it's admonishing that we, uh, we have um, a, a, a hard time with. It's, it's easy uh, to be inviting. It's another thing entirely to offer challenge. You know, sometimes our, our, our teaching is, is, is more invitational. It, 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 it calls people in to, to listen and to, to hear, but there is a place in the mix of that invitation to also admonish, to, to also uh, challenge. And quite honestly, as disciples, we can, can do that individually. Uh, we can do that in, in groups as well. We're all too hesitant when it comes to challenge because we feel as though we're just not equipped to do that. Who are we to think that, that we should do such a thing? Challenge is best left to others, maybe even the pastor. Certainly, we don't want to hurt anybody. We don't want to, want to be intrusive. We, we wouldn't want to do anything that would bring harm to any individual. Challenge, though, if, if rightly approached, gets things off dead center and really begins to promote growth. Challenging others rightly has everything to do with, as Paul writes in our scripture for today, letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly. When the word of Christ dwells in us richly, that, that word begins to just overflow and begins to be, be a part of what we, what we say, but also is reflected in the very things that we do. Now, when we're talking about the word of Christ dwelling within us richly, and sharing the same, either by what we say and by what we do. We're not, we're not talking about taking the Bible and, and beating somebody over the head with it. And we're talking about in, investing ourselves in that Word to the extent that, that we begin to reflect that Word uh, in, in the daily discourse of our lives. 
And in that, it becomes more transparent. It becomes more authentic. It becomes more a part of who we are. And in that, there is a profound difference that is made as we engage other people. Challenging other, others rightly has everything to do with, with us clothing ourselves in those very same characteristics that Paul lists in our passage for today. You remember those. We, we've listed them twice now. Let's hear them that, this third time. These characteristics of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness. These are the sort of characteristics that, that, that God would, would have us to, to, to be a part of our lives. He, he longs to help develop those in our lives. And, and he knows that, that in the end, that they are the very things that begin to build relationship that, that leads to strong discipleship. This is not just stuff of invitation, but it's also stuff of, of challenge as well, that when we challenge with all compassion or all humility or even in the mix of, uh, of talking about forgiveness, and, and of course, above all things, working love in, into the mix because it is love that, that binds everything together in perfect harmony. Without putting these things on, without clothing ourselves uh, in this way, our attempts at challenge will always fall flat. You know, they say that uh, clothes make the person. That's, uh, that's really not the case. What makes the person is what goes on in the heart. And if these things are, are center uh, and, and core to who we are at, at, at the heart of who we are, then, then we'll begin to, to, to see our relationships flower and we'll, we'll begin to gain entree when it comes to the opportunities of, of discipleship with, again, those individually and those in the groups that we find ourselves a part of. So let's hear this when we, when we talk about uh, invitation and challenge. You know, invitation, if, if it's, that's all we do without challenge, then it, it just leads to things becoming way too comfortable. But conversely, uh, you know, if, if it's challenge all the time without a degree of invitation, then it just becomes uh, quite discouraging. Discouragement comes to the fore, sort of beating folk over the head with things. A good balance of being inviting and challenging, of invitation and challenge, brings forth uh, growth and vitality. And Jesus was all about these things. He was adept at inviting. He was also very adept at, at, at offering challenge. Read through Scripture. Read through the Gospels and, and, and see Jesus as he engages, not only with, with his disciples but with others, always inviting always challenging. So let's take, uh, take the lead from Christ. And let's uh, be about the, the, the same sort of things, this right balance of, of invitation and challenge when it comes to the making of disciples. Mick Barnes, in referring uh, to our scripture for today from uh, Colossians 3.16, says that teaching and admonishing and I would say invitation and challenge are two sides to the very same coin. Both have everything to do with love. 
And again, Paul encourages us, above all things, put on love, for it binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let's at least admit, if we care enough to invite, then we ought to care enough to challenge. That's the way it, uh, way it was for Christ, and it is his call and challenge to each of us. So one of the highlights of my week is spent with a, a group of guys talking about the faith and our walk with Jesus. We have, um, we have grown together over time, and I so appreciate the, the relationships that I have with, with each of those guys, notwithstanding the relationship that we have together as a group. I, uh, I feel that there has been a, a good deal of invitation where, where, where every person feels welcome, safe, and well-received. Invitation has been a part of our doing life together, of doing group life together. I also feel that uh, everybody to the person, including myself, has experienced a, a degree of challenge to grow closer to Christ. I, I long for that same sort of experience to be a part of your life. If it's not a part of your life, then I, 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 I so long for, for that sort of experience for you. Ashley and I uh, stand ready to, to talk with you, to meet with you, to, to meet with your group, uh, to, to, to meet with you individually, to, to, to help to form that, that sort of experience for you where there's that right balance of invitation and challenge, where, where the very center of what you're about is doing discipleship as Jesus said it. Again, disciples, making disciples who make disciples. And I'm so thankful that we'll be talking about such things as we make our way through the balance of this, uh, this sermon series, particularly as we meet out the last uh, couple of weeks of this uh, sermon series. All of this is a matter of challenge for us to, to, to move in a change of culture that really puts the making of discipleship or, or the making of disciples front and center. So a lot to think about, a lot to pray about, and a lot to act on, taking seriously the Great Commission to go, therefore, into all the world and make disciples. It is the very thing that Jesus would have us to do. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your uh, deep and abiding uh, presence for our lives, we, we, we thank you for Christ who gives us a, a profound example of what it means uh, to, to make disciples. Lord, we pray that uh, you would uh, put us to uh, thinking about such things and not just thinking about them, but, but acting upon them. Lord, we pray that uh, you would put us in, in the place of, of meeting with others whether that's individually or in, or in groups. We pray that uh, in the same breath that uh, we would, uh, would be with others who would be discipling us and, and that we would then turn and look to disciple others. Lord, we, we just pray for a culture that pervades the life of our church 
to where uh, disciple-making is at the very center of who we are and what we do. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the clarity of your word, a word that uh, calls on us to, to put on, to clothe ourselves with, with very special characteristics that are uh, not of us, but, but are bestowed upon us as gifts from you. And Lord, we, uh, we pray that in our teaching that we would, would also uh, find a place for the sort of encouragement and admonishment that moves people beyond dead center to grow deeper and deeper in their relationship with you. Thanks, God. Thanks for uh, being with us today. Thank you for this opportunity to worship. Thank you for this opportunity to come around your word. Lord, may we not leave it just at that, but may we find ourselves uh, acting upon it as your spirit moves to, to conjole and convict and to call us to the very place we need to be in the making of disciples. This prayer we make in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Will you use this time as the Lord leads you? Know that this altar is uh, open for you to come, to pray, to, to work some things out with the Lord, maybe even to decide for the very first time an acceptance of, uh, of Christ as your Lord and Savior. All that being said, use this time as the Spirit leads you. Uh, you're, uh, you're welcome to, to sing along, but let's uh, use this as a time of uh, deep contemplation and openness before the Lord as he moves within us.